So, welcome to Alley Oops. We made a basketball podcast. Surprise. Um, we're back. We're back. And we're going to just, let's hop right in. Sam, you had an interesting thing you wanted to talk about today. Yeah. I think since we haven't, you know, been talking about this season at all, it's been a while since we talked hoops. Um, I think it would be fun just for maybe the casual listener that's stumbling in here from OU football talk. I think it would be fun to just talk about the NBA as a whole. And Ryan, you got into, you, you know, didn't grow up much of a basketball fan and you got into basketball fan basketball super heavy a couple of years ago, but obviously you already had the geographical allegiance to the Thunder. And so this fun little exercise is I kind of want to talk about, you know, if you were to just pick a team today, no geography considered, what team, if you had been watching this NBA season, what team you would choose moving forward to stand? Okay. So can I say that this issue is complicated because I'll, well, so here's the thing. I think for me, the actual answer is the Bucks. Okay. I think, I think that the Bucks are the most interesting team in the NBA. The problem is that that's like, they have the best record in the NBA. Like that's super bandwagony. So I almost like feel like the Bucks are off limits for this. Like, even if like, like Giannis is a super interesting player, the, like their roster they put around him is very cool. Like, I think they're really fun. They're good on both sides of the ball. Like, they've got all that going for them. But they're also, like, you know, they've got the best record in the NBA. So it feels like cheating to say them. So I'll, I'll, I'll wait till – see, I think right now it would be fine because I'm still – how is Budenholzer going to do in the playoffs? Like, or if they're going to be the 2015 Hawks or whatever, then I think it's fine to jump on this bandwagon. I, I, I think that's fair, yeah. Um, Alex, what do you think is is supporting the Bucks bandwagoning at this point for a new fan? Um, you know, if I were a fan that didn't know anything about basketball, and you know, we're talking fifty six games into the season, and I was like, I'm going to choose a basketball team. Like, yeah, I wouldn't pick the team that has the best record in the league because I would think of that as a bandwagoning because like not knowing anything, I wouldn't know that Milwaukee has zero chance of winning the championship this year. You know what I mean? That's yeah. true. You would, as, you would assume that the team with the best record has a chance to win a championship. And with that just not being the case, like I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. So I think that's um, fair. Yeah. The Warriors kind of make it difficult to call any fan decision a bandwagon. Decision. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you were going to go in and you like did some research, I think it's perfectly valid to pick Milwaukee because you would also see that like they weren't supposed to be this good. You know, like if you Mm -hmm. were to go back and look at like some preseason expectations and stuff, I think Milwaukee would be a perfectly acceptable fit. I agree. Yeah. And, And I mean, just seeing Giannis, I think like you can't. You can't say, oh, you're just bandwagoning, you're picking the best team. Like, if you, if someone wants to root for Giannis, you'd just be like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Like, Giannis, Giannis right. is my desktop background on my laptop. Like, mm-hmm. like, again, not even, like, a fan of his team. Though I would be right. in a, you know, in this scenario. But, yeah, no, it's Giannis. He's, he's great. It's the Bucks. They're super interesting. They've got a weird history that you can look into. Like, it's not that weird, but, you know, right. they had, you know, Kareem and Oscar 
Brandon Robertson. So are we just gonna gonna make that your pick? The Bucks are your pick, Ryan? I'll say the Buc- the Bucks are my first pick. I'm interested to hear some other picks, and I've also got some An- other ideas I want to float. Another but- fun thing about the Bucks, I have their basketball reference team page pulled up. And you know, when you look at the game results, you know, it goes it has the kind of looks like a bar graph of green and red, and you know, mm-hmm. it's longer lines for you know the margin of victory. And good lord, they've just been killing people this year like yeah, all the green them. lines they're so long yeah. like they have the best record they also i think they might still have the best net rating yeah um, i'm pretty sure they do and like i mean from just like a like a I, let's talk about this later when we're talking about mvp with Giannis and stuff because i think that'll cover a lot of it but they're to me they're like the perfect regular season basketball team you know yeah like the things they do are very they're just optimized in the regular season. So it'll be interesting to see how the playoffs go for them. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to go ahead and make make my pick here. And this is kind of – I'm going to go with the Brooklyn Nets. Ah, the Brooklyn Nets. That was a fun one. That, that was one team that was on my list. Go ahead and talk about the Nets. Yeah, so if you look at the Brooklyn Nets, man, first you got to think about like – Let's say if you knew if you liked basketball beforehand, but you just never liked the NBA, and you're like, you know what, I'm gonna finally pick a team. Like just from a pure style standpoint, the Nets are a pretty fun team in the way they play. Like they're just a very modern basketball team, and they don't really have like this one superstar that makes everything go, but they have like a lot of like really good players. And I also I I'm a big D'Angelo Russell fan. I always have been. Um, and in this scenario, I watched D'Angelo Russell in college, so um, let's let's just go from that standpoint. And I, I just really like D'Angelo Russell and just the way, like the way they seem to be moving. And like, I just really like the fact that all of their moves just are pretty intelligent. You know, like the things that they've mm-hmm. done from the horrible position they've been in, the fact that they've been able to build into a like a probably playoff team this year and they haven't had a first round pick of their own in like ever you know it's been i think five years since they've had a first round pick of their own you know like that's it's pretty incredible to me that that's um that this is where they are at this point you know yeah i think it is important to have at least a little history if you're gonna root for the nets because like they absolutely should not be here right now you you mentioned they haven't had their first round pick and forever because they traded them for senior citizens Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett and Jason Terry and whoever else like they they should be at the bottom of the league and it's fun to root for them for the sole fact like even last year too like you know a lot of people hate rooting for the Knicks right now because you know they don't want to be tanking and you know it's painful to watch while a team tanks but the Nets, because they haven't had those first-round picks, they've had zero incentive to be bad. So they've been you know, adjusting to the league and trying to piece together what they can with what they've been able to get. Yeah. And it's like not the... To, not to give them too much credit, because they were pretty bad on accident <laughs> for a few of those years, but... That's true. But yeah. like the, the, the pieces they found in, like, Karis LeVert, you know, late in the first round... Jared Allen later in the middle of the first round, Spencer Dinwiddie that has been passed around the league. Like some of their players are 
Like it's it's incredible that these guys have you know been able to adjust to the league and make like a competent team with right. what the direction of the franchise should have been. Well, and I, I just look at like the way they got D'Angelo Russell. Like they were a team that just had a lot of cap space and they knew they weren't going to be able to use it in free agency. So they just like took a shot on getting a guy like D'Angelo Russell. They took a bad contract of another player and in addition got D'Angelo Russell. And now they have their they have an all-star on their team. You know what I mean? Right. And D'Angelo Russell, like over the last couple months, has been like a legitimate all-star. Like he's been really, really good. Um and just, I think you know, that's just kind of, that kind of stuff is a lot of fun to me. Like the idea of just, we don't have like the traditional ways of getting better as a team. And they've just been really creative with how they've yeah. gone about improving. And they've also done a really nice job of like identifying other teams that have restricted free agents that like, they know that the other team has to resign them because like they'll just be screwed if they lose the guy. And so they've been giving like ridiculous offer sheets to guys and making like teams in their own conference pay ridiculous salaries to like average players just because they were just messing with them. You know what I mean? And I I think that's kind of cool too. Yeah. I think the nets are a great pick for somebody who's really experienced understanding sports, but who doesn't know much about the NBA. Like if I was like, like let's say that I was like, living in England and I was a huge Premier League fan. Um, so yeah. I understood like how franchises like like how that aspect of like team building works. Um, right. I think the Nets are a great team to choose because they're a really interesting example. Of yeah. Well, and like also you look at them from the standpoint they are in New York. They're not the Knicks, but they are in New York and really like, if they were to get a really high-level max free agent, like, they're all of a sudden pretty close to being a contender. You know what I mean? Because they have, they have like, secondary pieces. They just don't have the guy. And if they were to get the guy, then you're just looking at a team that could really make a deep playoff run. And so you would have that hope to kind of hold on to as well. Yeah. Like, you're looking at a team that could be hosting a playoff series in New York. Which, wow, has it been a while, huh? Yeah. (laughs) And, like, yeah, like you said, um, they have the ability, like, you know, if if you were a hopeless Milwaukee fan or something, which obviously they're not right now, like we just talked about, they do not have, if they were in the situation the Nets are in, it's like, well, they're just going to be, you know, this team for a while because, you know, KD's not going there. Kyrie's not going there. With Brooklyn, like you, you have the ability to draw those guys there. And it's like you have this team right now that is competing and they're fun, but also like maybe one piece away from shooting to the top of the East. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we can we can all agree that my pick was uh, pretty spectacular. Um, good, it was it was solid, pick. and they were. That's why I came into this with two because I thought someone might take them. And I thought someone might take my other team, and I'm gonna go with the Sacramento Kings. Ooh, I thought about it. I thought yeah. about it. And so obviously, you know, we all have. We all went to the University of Oklahoma. So we all have that tie to Buddy Heald. But even if you know you didn't go to OU, if you didn't know Buddy Heald until this year. Like, is there anyone 
you can root for harder that you want to root for harder than Buddy Heald. I mean, the guy, yeah. no, you know, not a huge recruit or anything. Went to, you know, not a basketball school by any means. Stayed four years, got better every year. National Player of the Year. Just a guy that you look at him and he he's just having fun all the time. I mean, and for all intents and purposes, like he's everyone around the league loves him. They all talk about how hard he works, how much fun of a teammate he is. Buddy Heald is, I mean, obviously being biased, but my favorite player in the league to root for by far. I think it's also kind of fun. The Kings are almost like the college, the casual college basketball fans team. Like all of their players <laughs> yeah. are, you know, blue bloods, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, now with Harrison Barnes. You got Frank Mason, Kansas, and National Player of the Year. Even, you know, Caleb Swanigan that they just traded for, first team All-American. I mean, just so many, like, recognizable faces and names are fun to root for. And then you add on the fact that, you know, De'Aaron Fox has made a huge leap this year and just insanely fun to watch with the ball in his hands. He's Buddy Heald playing off him is, you know, a perfect fit. Right. Well, and if you're looking at this from, like, if you're going to be a fan of the Kings – like, there's a lot of positive things to look at, like, at, for their future. Because, I mean, I could definitely see myself, if I were a Kings fan, I could convince myself that we have the next, like, Russell Westbrook in De'Aaron Fox. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's that kind of, he has that speed. And, like, he also is, basically, he's already a better shooter than Russ. So, you might even be able to convince yourself he's going to be better than Russ. Um, so, like, there's just a lot of hope there that you can, like, that you have something there, you know? So I thought, I really thought about the the Kings, but, um, and like, honestly, probably the fact that, you know, I grew up, you know, I kind of did make this decision because whenever I was a kid, the Thunder didn't exist. And I chose to be a Lakers fan when I was a kid. Um, and then obviously I remember those Lakers versus Kings playoff matchups. So I just kind of have always disliked the Kings. So that's why I didn't pick them on this thing. So the um, other fun thing about the Kings is the pace at which they play. And I know like pace has certainly elevated, especially in 2019 pace and three point attempts are just off the charts. And the Hawks currently lead the league in pace, but at 19 and 38, like you're not exactly rooting for the right. Hawks just because they run fast. But the Kings, you know, getting out and running in transition, watching Buddy Heald pull up on in a, in a fast break, seeing De'Aaron, Bach, De'Aaron Fox go coast to coast with the ball in his hands, like, that is a team, you know, they're not just pushing the pace because that's the way the league's moving. They're, they're doing that because that is their strength for guys like De'Aaron Fox. Um, so, I mean, it's just incredibly fun to watch you know, how they play and maximize these young guys they have. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I have one reservation here, which is that you guys are recommending that whoever becomes a fan of the Kings now trusts Vlade Divac to make good decisions. Hey, man, he he fleeced New Orleans for Buddy (laughs) Heald, I guess. (laughs) I guess. Revisionist history says he fleeced them, so. Yeah. Um, That's... This is my one concern with the Kings is that, yeah, they're pretty good and fun and young and fast and 
there's a lot of guys you can root for. I don't know if it's a franchise you can trust to continue to do the right things. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, to Marvin Bagley's credit, he's had a fine rookie year. But, man, if they had Luka on this team, Luka and De'Aaron Fox kind of doing a double ball handler situation, mm-hmm. man, that yeah. would be fun. Yeah, I can't imagine trying to stop them if their one through three was De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, and Luka Doncic. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, and, like, Harry Giles has looked pretty good lately. And, like, you put him at the five. You know, like, yeah. and then you could play Barnes at the four. Like, that's a damn good basketball team, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, they, they're they not perfect. And I think in reality, like, they're probably going to find a way to screw this up. And they're probably going to wind up losing De'Aaron Fox or something. Like, I agree with Ryan that you just, you can't trust the Kings to do anything good. And, like, also, you talk about Buddy Heald and, like, it's not like Buddy Heald is this young player that's coming nope. up. Like right. Buddy Heald is pretty much at, in his prime right now. The dude's twenty six years old. Like yeah. this is probably he the is, best version of I Buddy Heald. Seven months younger than Harrison Barnes. I think I yeah. heard that recently. Right. Yep. I'm looking yeah. at that right now. In four seasons less experienced. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I don't. There's. I don't see as much upside because like. I don't know, like, I'm not super big on Bagley. I think he's been good, but, like, he's always going to have some issues with, you know, just the defensive side of the ball I think is always going to be a problem for him. Yeah. Um, I'm super in on De'Aaron Fox. I can't lie. I really like that guy, and I think he could be something pretty special. But, again, yeah, like, I mean, would it surprise any of us if, like, come June, like, the they traded De'Aaron Fox for something stupid? Like, no, it wouldn't because it's just the Kings, you know? Yeah. Um, so I want to throw one more team out there, and they were mentioned. Um, I almost picked the Hawks. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, and the reason why is because there's, like, a pretty clear, like, way for them to be one of the most fun teams in the league soon, you know? Like, mm-hmm. obviously, they're not a good basketball team right now, but – they also aren't trying to be, first of all. Like, yeah. they're actively trying to be bad. But when you're able to start your team with a guy like Trey Young, who I think at some point is going to be the best passer in the league, and he's starting to shoot better. Like, he's back. He's over 30% from three now. Like, that dude was at 25% for a long time, and he's gotten it over 30. So he's starting to shoot a little better. And, like, if that guy gets a shot going, like, even – you know, at like a 36% level, that dude's going to be impossible to defend, you know, and he's going to be in charge of like a top five offense for a long time. And then you look at a guy like uh, John Collins, who having, have you seen the year this guy's having? Yeah, man. He's, you guys? Yeah. He's awesome. He's a, he's a great DraftKings pick. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> like the dude averages 19 and nine. He's shooting 36% from three as a second-year player, like, who didn't come into the league as a shooter. Like, this guy, like, could legitimately be one of the best offensive centers in the league in a couple years, especially as a pick-and-roll partner with Trey Young. Oh, yeah. It's such a good partnership. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, like, the other thing in the Hawks' favor, I got to say, it's a great, like, fan culture to become a part of. Um, I love it when teams get into the spirit of the tank. Like, it's the best thing in the world. And that was the thing yeah. the Hawks fan base did, like, just fully commit themselves to last year. 
which was right. great because they got to like say things like they, they went undefeated last season because when they won, they won. And when they lost, they won. Um, right. And, you know, I'm like, I mean, Atlanta is a fun place to be right now. It's what it's like, I think, growing to become one of the major like cultural capitals of the United States. And it's, you know, their arena's cool and fun. It has a barbershop in it. They have an organist who has fun. Like, the Hawks are just fun, and they're going to continue to be fun even right. as they start to win, which well, I think will think about, think about, like, they're going to have a high pick this year, and right now I think they're at, like, the fifth worst record in the league, so the chances of them getting the number one pick are relatively small, but if for whatever reason they wound up with Zion, like, oh, like it's that, just that over. Like, it's incredible. Yeah, like Trey Young, Zion Williamson, John Collins, like that's some pretty ridiculous stuff right there. You know, like because I think Zion, I don't think you could pick a better partner for John Collins than Zion Williamson. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that would just be incredible. So that's what I'm rooting for. That's where I really want Zion to wind up. Um, because I just you think him and Cleveland? Trey would be. Uh, you don't want Zion in Cleveland? Uh, Colin Sexton? Oh Chetty God. Osman, Zion <laughs> Williamson. Oh, Zion and Chetty. The big, the big three. God, I, I don't All think right. Chetty got traded at the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> no, one thing I do well, I know, like a the, lot. Maybe the Cavs oh, go ahead. Something out of all of those picks, the Houston <sighs> game because they're cheap. Yeah. Um, no, go ahead, Sam. No. Um, well, I was say one thing I do like about um, Atlanta and their future. And it's kind of something I like about the Kings as well is the concept like team building, the concept of getting your guys, getting your ancillary pieces in place first. And so like someone like John Collins and Trey Young, they're not going to make your team too good too fast, I guess. Like you, they're still bad this year, obviously, and they can still they'll still be at the top of the draft to get the guy. Whereas you look at mm-hmm. the the Mavs or something, which Luca is incredible, but you know it's almost like how are they going to get another big star to go next to Luca if they're you know seven or eight seed or like late lottery? You're not going to be able to get the stud to put you over the top. And Luca already is. He that was probably a bad example because he is kind of the stud to put you over the yeah. top. Um, the answer, by the way, is that you fleece the Knicks. Um, <laughs> trade, trade for Chris That's, is. I mean, yeah. Which, hey, this is a good segue. Um, how do we feel about the Mavs as one of these teams? Which is yeah. weird because I don't like the Mavs. Yeah, I, right. forgot, I forgot. You know, I think Alex was the one that said something the other day that reminded me how much I hate the Mavs because I haven't had to hate them for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I to me like the re- what would keep them off this list for me because I, I thought about them for a second because Luca is incredibly fun, but I just I don't like Mark Cuban. Yeah, <laughs> and if, if you did any research at all and just learned about Mark Cuban, you would probably not be willing. Like this would not be the team you would pick. You know what I mean? Just because yeah. you don't know, like Mark Cuban kind of sucks. So um, yeah, and that would like, that was the main reason yeah. for them not being on my list. And like I don't like the Mavs because of their like like the period where they were like rivaling the Thunder, but also I don't like the Mavs because of Mark Cuban. And the Mark Cuban stuff does exist in a vacuum. 
like absent my Thunder fandom. So yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah. Whereas like with the Kings, like you have a similarly like involved owner, but like Vivek has like, to my knowledge, Vivek's a pretty decent guy. He's just like way too into tall guards who shot and small guards who can shoot. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'll, I'll stay out on the Mavs. I'm fine with that. I'll, yeah. I'll root for Luca and Chris stops in a vacuum, I guess. Right. Just root exactly. for the highlights. Like I like both of those guys quite a bit as players, but I'm still not going to be a Mavs fan because of it, yeah. you know. Also, um, they're just like, are they the whitest team in the NBA? Dude, I okay. mean, when you start a guy named Maxi Kleber, yeah, <laughs> I think they are. Hey, what's wrong with the name Maxi? You know? <laughs> as a first name, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, I want to, I want to, let's just go ahead, let's talk about that trade, because, like, I think all of us were just kind of floored when we saw it, you know, and, like, because it literally, you know, at one minute you're talking, like, Kristaps Porzingis is unhappy and he wants to trade, and then less than an hour later he's just traded, you know, like, that's not something that really happens in the NBA ever. And, and also not up at happening. the deadline. Right, yeah. Like it was a week before the deadline, right? Something like that. And yeah, yeah, it was just a pretty wild situation. And like, I know, like you were talking about, they fleeced the Knicks. Um, I want to come at it from the Knicks standpoint for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Knicks did okay in this trade, and the reason why is what they wound up getting two first round picks from the from the Mavs, right? I believe so. I think it. I think it's two, two future first rounders. Yeah. So I'm not sure what two exactly the first, years are. I'm pretty on that. sure. I'm pretty sure one of them at least is unprotected, if not both. And like, we don't know, like, what Kristaps Porzingis is. First of all, like, he's coming off a an ACL injury. He might not be the player that he was beforehand. And even if he is. You know, you could see a guy that could easily hurt himself again. Like, he's had some some injury problems. So, there might be just a year where Porzingis gets hurt and Doncic misses a few games, and you wind up getting a really good pick for that year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. I think that's a positive. You look at the guys that they gave up. Like, they got rid of their two worst contracts. They opened up a max slot for this summer which I think is a pretty big deal. We'll talk about that more later. I think opening up a lot of money for this offseason is a pretty big deal for them because the guys that they got rid of in this trade, they were going to have to give up first-round picks to get rid of that salary. You know what right. I mean? They, so, they were going to end up trading you know, D'Angelo Russell and turning him into an all-star somewhere else to move exactly. off those contracts. So instead of losing first-round picks to get rid of those guys, they gained two first-round picks in return from the Mavs and they got rid of those contracts and they got a guy in Dennis Smith who I don't think sucks. Like I don't, <laughs> he's not as good as I thought what he would be coming into praise. the NBA. <laughs> hey, he's not as good as what I thought he would be coming into the NBA. I was a really big Dennis Smith fan. I would have probably taken him second in that draft. And I think I was wrong for that. Like I, I think I wound up being wrong about that, but 
Like you look at a guy like D'Angelo Russell, the guy, it took him a few years to really develop into a star player. Um, and I could see that possibly happening with Dennis Smith because really all Dennis Smith has to do is learn how to shoot. Like that dude is a freakish athlete. And if he's able to shoot the ball, he's going to be able to get to the rim whenever he wants. And I think that that's a pretty, like, that could be a pretty good player. Now, I'm not saying the Knicks are the team that he will develop on. Like, that might be – I might be giving them a little too much credit to be able to develop a player like that. But um, I think in an ideal situation, that guy has all-star potential. Yeah. I think it's – yeah. I think it's – yeah. It's not fair to say that the Knicks were fleeced in this trade. You're right. However, um, at best, I think you can call this trade a course correction for the Knicks because, yeah. like – this is solving these all of these things were solving problems of their own making. Exactly. Yeah, I mean it's a lot I mean it's a little similar to whenever I mean not a little it is pretty similar to when the Lakers had to trade D'Angelo Russell to get rid of one of the horrible contracts that they had on their roster, you know, like I'm seeing this more as a as a salary cap move than I am as like a like they just loved Dennis Smith or they didn't like Chris Stapps. Like I think it's more of that kind of situation. Yeah. And from the Mavs standpoint, like you're able now to like you know what your core is moving forward. You know, we talked about like how were they gonna get the second guy to put with Luca and they have that guy. Like Chris Stapps Porzingis has been an all star before. And if he comes back healthy, um that guy's gonna be an all star again. You know, yeah. so I mean, I was literally in the West, though. Can he be yeah. an all-star in the West? Hey, I was I was trying to trade Russell Westbrook for this guy a couple years ago. <laughs> I so remember this. I'm I'm pretty high on on Kristaps Porzingis if he's healthy, and like for the Mavs to have that, like I think it's pretty it's a pretty cool thing for them to have that core just kind of set. They're not like they're not waiting on more draft picks to kind of come in, you know, and because you never know how those are going to work out. I also am kind of excited because I I think we're going to see what the ceiling of a basketball team is when your two best two best players are white. <laughs> and I I'm just I'm interested. Is this, when was the last time that was the case for a team? Um, um I don't know. Was it Bob Cousy and Bill Sharman? <laughs> yeah, oh, I think fair. it's probably yeah, it, I think it's it was the, Mavs the previous with, yeah. Mavs, yeah. Absolutely right. it was. Yeah. Hey Dallas, you got <laughs> shoot maybe? You want to talk it's about like, this? It's like they have a type. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mark um, Cuban, huh? Um, <laughs> okay. Think like, peace. <laughs> um, let's see. I don't know. What? So okay, and, let's, let's we'll go ahead. I just I just want to reiterate how much, which like I've said, I'm not a Mavs fan, so I shouldn't care that much. And maybe there are just things about NBA context that I don't understand. But I don't get, and I said this the last time we recorded a podcast, I'm pretty sure. I still do not understand why the Mavs didn't at least offer Clint Capella a lot of money. I mean, after he got right. the big, his, his payday from Houston, which I, think, I still think he's criminally underpaid, he has had an even better year. Like, he's at career highs and everything. And he, you know, he can cover up the def- the defensive deficiencies of Kristaps and Luca, and like that, that would be an insane, you know, core three moving forward. 
and they and it's like realistic too obviously you can say there are a lot of insane things you could put together but this was a realistic thing they had the money to offer him at worst you strap your one of your biggest rivals for cap space while they're already struggling for it and right i mean i guess i should be happy that the mavs didn't make this seemingly no-brainer move I don't. Well, I don't the think only thing about this is that I don't think um, because part of them not making that move was offering the money to DJ instead, and DJ was part of the Chris Tapps trade. So, like, that's I don't know right. if the follow if the following steps happen that create like a Luca, Chris Tapps, uh, Capella right. four could happen. But no, I agree. Like, the Mavs just helped out the Rockets for seemingly no reason. Yeah, I think. I mean, it would have been cool because. The Rockets literally could not let they couldn't lose Clint Capella. Like I think the Rockets would have matched anything that got offered to Clint Capella. Right. Um, so they probably should have done it, um, but they might have lost out on the opportunity to sign a guy like DeAndre Jordan. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you could just like tell him to wait. You probably couldn't. But <laughs> I don't know. Like just if yeah. you miss out on Clint Capella, which you probably would, just go overpay another center. You know, like there's plenty right. of centers to overpay in the league. Yeah. And then they probably then they could have made this trade happen because yeah. I like the fact that DeAndre Jordan is like a relatively highly regarded player did not play into this trade. It was literally just a salary for that. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah. Speaking of salaries and speaking of overpaying centers and speaking of this Knicks trade and them clearing cap space, let me lay out my concerns. There are a lot of teams clearing cap space for this coming offseason. And there are maybe, what, four players worth the max going into free agency? Let's see if we, let's see. Kevin Durant, yes. Kyrie Irving, yes. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, yes. Boogie Cousins, yes. Maybe. Jim, yeah, Jimmy Butler. Nice. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy yes. Butler. I mean, Maybe. Kimba. Like Kimba's going to get a max. Like he might not be super deserving, but he's going to get a max. It's a right. really it's, good it's a, year. It's a weird Davis. line to cr- a weird line to walk on who deserves a max and who who you'd want to give a max going forward and who has earned a max throughout their career. Yeah, so this is my thing. I, like, we came up with six players who were probably worth a max. Clay Thompson's another one, sorry. Seven. So there are seven players worth a max. I think there are more than seven max slots having opened. And that's a concern for me if I'm the Knicks and I have not re-signed a player in, you know, freaking forever. I am... I... Okay, do we want to just go ahead and move on into – let's go into some KD stuff. Here. Well, I, I would yes. like to talk about the Knicks going to sign Nikola Vucevic with one of their max slots. But sure, we <laughs> this can is, talk about this, this Kevin Durant This is my concern, fellow. is that this summer at least one person is going to get massively overpaid. And it's going to be because oh. one of these teams opened up a max and missed, and they're going to be screwed. That absolutely is going to happen. It happened in the summer of 2016. It's going to happen again, probably. I think the Knicks are going to get Kevin Durant. I think it's already a done deal. Um, Because, I mean, you just look at the fact, like, the dude is literally opening office buildings for his corporation in New York. Um, Yeah, you would think that they, the the Kristaps move was a calculated move, that they're... mm -hmm. 
fairly confident they're getting KD at the least. Right. Well, and, like, I, I understand that, like, you know, well, it's the Knicks and, like, you know, so you it, they would be the team to screw this up. But I just – I don't think that – like, think about Knicks fans, man. Like, Knicks fans are some of the most passionate fans in the, like, sports world. Like, they are diehard fans. Like, they sell out Madison Square Garden right now, and they're the worst team in the league. You know, um, I don't think that the Knicks front office would have looked at this situation and thought it would be OK for them to lose really the best young player they've had in like 20 years unless they knew that they were going to get Kevin Durant. Like, I think this is a done deal. I think we can all agree that Kevin Durant is going to leave Golden State, right? Yeah, you would think so. More likely than not. And where the hell else is Kevin Durant going to go other than the Knicks, man? Like, I understand, like, there's the Brooklyn thing. I get it. But I think Kevin Durant clearly doesn't, like, obviously winning is important to Kevin Durant. But if winning was the most important thing to Kevin Durant, there's no way in the world he would leave the Warriors. So I think this is a play for Kevin Durant to like set himself up for after basketball. And I think he sees like, he's basically trying to do what LeBron is doing. Like, I honestly believe that like he's wants to do what LeBron's doing, but he obviously can't go to the Lakers because LeBron's there. And so he's going to go to like the Lakers of the East coast. You know? Right. And my thing with him, you know, being similar to LeBron's situation, LeBron, you know, had the rumors Going around all last season, oh, he's going to the Lakers, no one else is in contention, like this is a done deal. You know, he had to fight off those rumors all season. I And, you know, Kevin Durant is having to face similar things right now. But the guy is so damn sensitive about everything. You know, how mm-hmm. he, he was so upset about, you know, what I can't remember, Ethan Strauss, I think, was the yeah. journalist that, you know, he got all mad about reporting that he was – you know, had high interest in the Knicks, like it was something that was secret. And like, I think, I think there is a non-zero chance that Kevin Durant would be too sensitive about everyone rumoring him going to the Knicks right now that he could, he might pivot to something else. But I think it's, I wouldn't say it's likely, but I think it's a possibility. Yeah. And if I think if he were to pivot, I think it would probably be to Brooklyn. Right. Because you know, that would just be like super easy. It would just be like it's the same city. It's a better organization. Right. You know, it's not the glamour of the Knicks. It's not Madison Square Garden. Yeah. But it makes a ton of sense. Like you put Kevin Durant on that Brooklyn team. There's a there's a situation they can open up another max slot and you could have Kevin Durant and Jimmy Butler, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Leonard or Kyrie Irving. I was trying <laughs> Kyrie to create a basketball player. That would be. Yeah. He'd be That'd a pretty be good player. Yeah. Um. Which, I, okay, here's my thing. Hey, Kevin, why aren't you going to Brooklyn then, my friend? Yeah, I mean, it's a obviously, it's on the ba- it makes sense. But the Knicks are the freaking Knicks, man. Like, they are still one of the most profitable teams. Prob- I think they're still the most profitable team in the league. Like, the, they are, like, you're always going to be the second best in, in New York if you play for the Nets, even if you're a lot better. Like, it's yeah. like if in LA, it's if like the, Clippers, the Clippers, yeah, the Clippers were great and they were much better than the Lakers the last few years, and nobody cared. 
You know, it was like, well, you're not the Lakers. It would be the exact same thing in in New York as it was in Los Angeles. So I think that's why he wouldn't go to the – I think that's why he's going to the Knicks. I think Kevin Durant's going to go to the Knicks. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited about it. Like, that dude is going to get destroyed by New York media. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to so be really true. interesting to see how that goes. It's so true. Um, um, I'm also just... really excited – about the idea of him being on that team by himself or with just one other guy, because with that Vooch dude, he's going to do what with Vooch on a max. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> with Vooch on a max, because he's going to have to carry the load. Like that dude has had it. Like he's been basically a glorified role player the last three years with the warriors. And like, we're actually going to get to see Kevin Durant as like the focal point of the team again. And the guy is one of the best offensive players that's ever played. Yeah. And we've basically seen him as a secondary creator for the last three years. Yeah. And even like, even when he was on the thunder, like he, like he was clearly the best player on the team, but like he still had to coexist with Russ as like a dominant creative force. Like, yeah. So like, there's a real chance we see a Kevin around that we haven't really seen since like his MVP season or like when yeah. Russ was yeah. out. Well, you, you think about what, James Harden's doing this year as the guy and he's averaging 36 a game. Like, I don't see any reason why Kevin Durant couldn't do that. You know, like the dude is the most effortless scorer I've ever seen. Yeah. Like that guy, if he came into a season and was like, I'm going to score 30 points every game. Like the guy could actually do it. Yeah. You know, like here's the thing. If he did that, do you think anyone would even notice? Like, I mean, obviously it would be Kevin Durant playing in New York, but like he is I like, have no idea. he is an, infamously quiet like oh he got 28 points this game how'd that happen guy like right well i mean i don't know like whenever he went on that streak of like 25 plus point games in oklahoma city there were some people talking about it you know so i mean and like it's the freaking knicks and they would finally have something to root for you know i think they're desperate for somebody to root for and i think i think it would be a pretty big storyline for at least a year or two you know and you know, my favorite scenario, I would love for Kyrie to join him because I would kind of like to see the Boston's plans just get blown up. <laughs> yeah. Like, my um, favorite thing about that is that, like, that would obliterate all of Boston's machinations. And also, I don't think it would work in New York. Right. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I heard, I think it was uh, Amin Al Hassan that was like, and he grew up in New York and he was like, you guys don't understand, like, it's not, the Knicks aren't the kind of team that wouldn't get the big players. Like, they will get the players. It just won't work once they do, you know, like yeah. they'll get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving probably. And then it's probably not going to work out. Like that's just, that's the kind of bad thing that would happen to the Knicks. Yeah, that's, I think that's fair. Um, so that's sort of the KD situation in terms of the Knicks, right? What, what yeah. else do we have to talk about in terms of that? Um, uh, my only I'm, thing to talk about, did you guys see that thing ESPN tweeted? Like, the Knicks could lo- look a lot different in next season and had KD, Kyrie, and Zion all with Knicks jerseys photoshopped yeah. on. <laughs> and I you know, thought it was funny. Um, people from the Philadelphia sports scene, sports media scene, they were all like, no one cared this much when we were tanking. Like, everyone hated it whenever we were this terrible yeah, yeah. when it's Which, new york doing it you're talking yeah. about 
what all they're going to have next yeah. year. Speaking of which, I got some angry shouting I have to do about that when we get to the Anthony Davis bit, but like that can wait. Um, yeah. Well, one I thing think about like KD Kyrie Zion is I would actually hate that for Zion because I don't know what Zion does if KD is starting. Like, does KD start at the three and you play Zion at the four? Like, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, I think Zion's. I think, I think Zion's a four. Like I, I, I think that Zion is a four, but like I also think that KD should play four from now. That's that's right. True. Well, and I, I think you. when you close, you're closing with Zion at the five and KD at the four. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like I think it's a lot. Like I, the way I think about Zion is just like super, super, super Draymond. You know, I would like, say super Julius Randall, but that also works. Right. I yeah. I think of him more as like a super super Draymond because he's just like I think he's a more intelligent player than than Randall and he's mm-hmm. got a lot higher ceiling on defense. Um, but I, that's kind of how like, and I think it's fine that you know you start him at the four, but in big moments you're playing him at the five, and that would work well with Kevin Durant too because yeah. Durant's going to rebound and he can do a little bit of rim protection too. So I think that I think that works pretty well actually i don't think the knicks would keep him i think they would try to trade him trade if zion. they got that pig i think they would go straight to the Davis. pelicans yeah. I, I think that's exactly what they would do yeah because if the like, knicks as, get the number one pick they're gonna try to trade for anthony davis yeah i agree which okay now all of a sudden i'm paying attention to the knicks right um, yeah you put kevin durant and anthony davis there like then you're looking at a real possibility of getting a guy like Kyrie to join as well. Mm-hmm. And then you've got something for that big three, you know, like yeah. that would be pretty, that'd be a pretty interesting thing to watch, you know? And like, again, there is that chance that it just wouldn't work and we wouldn't really understand why. And that would be hilarious. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, okay. Anthony Davis. Let's do so it. This I'm so glad that this completely stole the thunder of the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl week. Um, right. So Anthony Davis requests a trade from the Pelicans, indicating that he will not resign in like a year. Which this is the other thing is that I feel like a lot of people in this situation didn't understand how long Anthony Davis con- Anthony Davis's contract is. It's not expiring. Like he's got another right. year on it. Yeah. Um, so this was really early in the process to be like making this demand, um, mm-hmm. but he went ahead with it. So then, like immediately, it's like, oh right, well he's his agent's Rich Paul, he wants to go to the Lakers, uh, but of course Boston, you know Boston can offer more, but they can't do it until July. And then immediately it was like, I don't want to go to Boston, and right. you know, I want to go to LA. I won't resign in Boston. Let's, so I have a. How do you yeah, guys feel? overall how do you guys feel about players just in general like kind of taking control of the situation earlier and earlier and like they're you know used to like you would just guys wouldn't tell you and then you would lose them like Kevin Durant didn't tell the Thunder what was going on and they lost them for nothing and now you've got guys that are like the year before free agency it got kind of pushed to where it was like with Kawhi it was like I'm not re-signing here you should trade me um and it's getting pushed back a year. And now you see Anthony Davis, like before the previous trade deadline, he's saying, yeah, I want you guys to trade me because I'm not going to resign here. Um, and like, I don't necessarily look at this as a bad thing for teams because wouldn't you rather know what is going on with your star player than lose him for nothing like the Thunder did? Because 
I mean, the Thunder have rebounded as well as you can, but like, yeah, well, I yeah, mean, they got pretty lucky. That was lucky. the result of another one of these situations. With yeah, Paul George, you say. Yeah, with yeah. Paul George, yeah. Right. Um, no, I agree. Like, I think on paper, this is actually a good thing for teams in terms of, like, having that re- relationship with your star can help you understand, like, to work towards a con- mutually beneficial conclusion. The right. problem for teams is when um, players start using preferred destinations as leverage in these negotiations. Right. Um, which, yeah. I mean, again, like, they... I mean, they, I'm, the CBA is, we're going to just have to figure out what this means in terms of the CBA at some point, but like, it's either within their rights or it isn't. Um, and if it's in, right. within their rights, then more power to them. And if it isn't, well, maybe they can restructure the CBA. So it is, and then more power to them, but right. still like it's rough. Um, and I mean, frankly, a lot of my opinion on the Anthony Davis situation is informed by the fact that I don't want Magic to succeed, <laughs> which is me. <laughs> but like, yeah. I um, it's frustrating that it is Magic and LeBron working like because they just don't have any respect for the like, um, what they just don't have any respect for the norms of this situation. They don't care about tampering law, like. And that's like that's frustrating because it's Lakers exceptionalism, I think, more okay. than because like tampering law is sacrosanct. I'm going to I'm going to, to like I think obviously the Lakers have not handled the situation very well. Um, but I'm going to just real quick on from the standpoint, like the way Anthony Davis handled the situation. I actually like I think it's a great move to give the Pelicans this much of a heads up. I don't think you should have done it publicly. I think it should have been just uh, go to management and tell them what's going on um, and give them the opportunity to trade you without it becoming just public knowledge that this is what's happening. You know what I mean? Because then you could put them in a situation where they're like going to different teams and like, yeah, we're shopping Anthony Davis. But if you leak this, we're not going to we're not going to negotiate with you anymore. You know what I mean? It could yeah. wind up being a really quiet situation. And I think that's better for everybody involved. And like, I know why Anthony Davis did it. It's because he's, he wanted to get traded now and he wanted to get traded to the Lakers. Um, but if you think about it, if you do this in a pretty tactful way, I don't think the Pelicans would have been the team to be like, uh, like to tell him that, no, we're not going to send you where you want to go. You know, I think the Pelicans would have tried to help the guy out a little bit because he's been a really good, he's been a good yeah. soldier for them. You know, yeah. like he's been the best thing going for them for the last seven years, you know, and I don't think they would have been like, screw you. We're going to send you to freaking Miami. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't have been somewhere like that. He just really didn't want to go to. Um, but I think the fact that it was such a public thing, it kind of made the Pelicans kind of just say, screw you. Like we're not we're not doing this right now. We're going to hold on to you as long as we can. Um, and I think that's where the real mistake was. Um, from the Lakers standpoint, I think that the tampering stuff is blown out of proportion a little bit um, because everybody in the league tampers. Yeah. I just, I think the Lakers are just not good at it. I don't think they're, they're just not good at tampering, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is my thing where it's like, I don't care that they don't hold the tampering rule as 
gospel, you know, because nobody does. Because tampering is constant. The players do it. The coaches do it. The owners do it. Um, everybody does it. The, the thing that frustrates me is that they're not good at it, and I don't think they care. Right? Right. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think that – I think Magic – I don't think Magic necessarily does it on purpose all the time. I think a lot of it is just he's like, I'm freaking Magic Johnson. I can say whatever I want, and, mm-hmm. like, stuff will just kind of slip out because he'll just get going in an interview, and then he'll just say something that he shouldn't. Um, I think from, like, ownership standpoint with the Lakers, they've done a lot to try to keep tampering from being an issue. Um, like, just me, like, I've, you know, listened to a lot of podcasts about the Lake. Like, I still like the Lakers, you know, and so mm-hmm. I kind of am closer to this situation. And, like, I think really the problem here is Magic Johnson. And I – the day Magic Johnson was hired, I think I tweeted that the Lakers wouldn't win a championship in the next, like, 20 years. Um, <laughs> and, like, I haven't been – like, he did get LeBron, and, like, that's a really big thing, obviously. But other than getting LeBron, I don't think he's done anything right. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. What did he do that got LeBron? What aspect right. of this team attracted LeBron other than the fact that they are the Lakers? LeBron, yeah, wants, like, like, as far as we know, LeBron doesn't like Luke Walton. As far as we know, LeBron doesn't like this young core. Like, <laughs> no aspect of this team other than its location and history in the city of Los Angeles was attractive to LeBron. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've heard some stuff about how, like, LeBron wouldn't have come with the previous regime because they That's just fair. were not, they were not a well-respected thing. And, like, I have heard that, like, the fact that it was Magic Johnson at his doorstep at the beginning of free agency, like, that was big for him, you know, like, in just a, like, it really opened his eyes. But I don't know. Like, I I don't think Magic Johnson's very good at his job, obviously. Like, he traded D'Angelo Russell in a salary dump, you know, and, like, that didn't have to happen then. And he could have probably traded something else, you know. He probably could have figured out that, Russell was probably not the one that you needed to trade. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think that Magic Johnson is the biggest problem because also you look at the way that he handled the negotiation process with the Pelicans. Yeah. Like, in order to make this situation okay, like, the Lakers needed to go into this. And, like, obviously they're interested in Anthony Davis, but they didn't need to tell the world that that's what they were trying to do. Like they didn't need to tell the world that they were trying to trade for Anthony Davis, you know, and that's exactly what happened. And I think that even further, like, I don't think the Pelicans wanted to trade into there in the first place, but they really, really didn't want to like after all the leaks and stuff about like, Hey, this is, we're going, we're coming for your guy basically is what they said. Yeah. You know, that to me, that is the thing is that like, the Lakers organization this has been just a little too gleeful about the like right we're gonna like this is gonna happen and you have to be okay with it aspect of it. Yeah, and I'm sure like Ryan mentioned earlier, it's like that arrogance about the Lakers front office. Like that probably because that's I mean that's really not a bad deal for them for the Pelicans to get you know all those players and well, a couple picks they didn't need. I mean, it's not they can they can shop around, obviously, but I'm sure the the arrogance behind the Lakers, you know, coming like we've said, coming in and 
saying this is where he wants to be and we're going to take your guy. Like, I'm sure if, you know, maybe Dell Demps is very, like, he will send him for somewhere for a worse deal just to spite the Lakers, you know? Well, it's, yeah. there's, like, there's complicating factors in terms of the fact that, like, first off, the New Orleans front office, like, apart from Dell Demps, is more interested in the Saints. Um, right. So I think there's room for spite as a decision-making factor there because, you know, they, at the end of the day, screw you, Los Angeles. Um, yeah. Not that I actually think that, like, the Rams, the, like, <laughs> Saints-Rams game is affecting this, these negotiations in any way. That would be very silly. Um, <laughs> but, no, I think that that's, that's an aspect of it. Like, I also think that, I don't know, I look at the deal the Lakers offered, and maybe it would be the best deal that the Pelicans ultimately receive, especially if Kyrie, like, doesn't commit to re-signing with the Celtics. Um, but, like, not, individually, obviously, all of those guys are way worse than Anthony Davis. Maybe together they represent something approaching his value, but you would have to clear roster spots for them. The picks that would convey over the next, like, decade... Um, well, I mean, I guess if they went with the Lakers' original offer, it would be, like, next year and then, the, then like, two years after that. But, like, still, it's not a workable offer, I think, for New Orleans, and I think it's disingenuous of the Lakers to be insulted um, that the Pelicans didn't take it and, like, close off negotiations when they counteroffered. Right. Well, I think the Lakers were they were they were definitely frustrated because like they basically were bidding against themselves. Like the the Pelicans just kind of ignored their calls. You know, it was yeah. like, well, yeah, you're calling us, but we don't care. You know, and to me, the the proper way to handle that from the Lakers standpoint is just like give them an offer and then just leave it. You know, like you can't bid against yourself. Like that's the worst negotiating thing that you can possibly do. Yeah. You know, and the Lakers, like they just, they got impatient. Like they were just like, Oh crap. LeBron wants AD. We want AD. Um, we're playing poorly right now. I think that played a big role. Like if LeBron mm-hmm. never pulls his groin, this might be a different situation. Um, and I, I think they got impatient and they were just like desperate to get him. Um, and they just, they kind of screwed themselves in that regard because honestly, I think if the Lakers had made this trade, it was kind of insane for them because like giving up four first round picks, you're basically for the next decade, you're not able to trade a first round pick. Yeah. That's not a good move. Like don't, you don't, you want to avoid that pretty much at all costs. Mm-hmm. And also giving up every young player you have, like, Who's to say? And also like, every old player you have. Yeah, like, right. this is the problem is at this point, like, New Orleans has two rosters and, like, the Lakers have half of one. Right. Yeah, but, like, you're giving up, you're giving up a future. Like, when the Lakers came into this situation with LeBron, their goal was, we, we sign LeBron now, we're going to develop our young guys, and then next summer we're going to sign another max player to put on top of guys like Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball who could develop into that, and LeBron. And I think that this kind of shows that, A, they got impatient, and B, 
they don't feel good about signing a free agent this summer. I think that's fairly obvious. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like they are in a good position for any guys, um, which to me is kind of crazy, but you know, it is what it is. Um, and I think that they're just a desperate team to get that second star, even though I don't think they're seeing it for like the fact that it's actually still just a crazy move to do it. Like you would not like you're giving up everything to have two good players on your team, you know? Yeah. Two good players. Yeah. Like LeBron and Anthony Davis is an astonishing start to a team, but like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's not first off. It's not enough to win in the West anyways. um, This year. Right. It's just, I don't know. There's so many strange things. And like, this is not even in, getting into like the clutch sports aspect of this like right which well, i don't know i don't know I, we can't speak with any definitive knowledge about like lebron's involvement in these negotiations and if there even was any and i know that david griffin yeah. has come out and said that like lebron really doesn't try and play gm except that there was that one time when he did publicly request that his team trade for a, a quote effing playmaker um right. <laughs> Well, I I think that I think the LeBron GM stuff is overblown a little bit. Like I think he obviously I think he gets frustrated and I think his value as like a player and his prestige kind of forces GMs into doing stuff that they wouldn't normally do to yeah. try to appease him, but I don't think he's ever telling them this is what I want you to do. Like mm-hmm. he just gets he's very passive aggressive and he just kind of will sulk through the season you know yeah. and like and he won't tell them what's wrong and so they wind up doing something that they normally wouldn't do to try to appease him and in a lot of situations they wind up doing something stupid now i mean obviously david griffin was the best at doing this like he usually made good moves to help the team um but i don't think i don't think lebron came into this year and was like yeah, I think we should sign Lance Stevenson and Rajon Rondo and all of these guys. Like, I think that those were Magic Johnson, Rob Polinka moves, and I think they yeah. were stupid. But I don't think LeBron was like, yeah, these are the guys. I don't think LeBron is like, you guys have to trade for Anthony Davis. I think LeBron was like, I would love to play with Anthony Davis, and it would be great to get him now, you know. Um, but I don't mm-hmm. think it was something where he was like, He's not, what does he have to threaten? He's on a three-year deal, you know, like yeah, if yeah. they don't trade for him, it's not like he's going anywhere, you know? So I, I think that that's a little bit overblown. I, I kind of, I think the GM LeBron thing is a little bit exaggerated. I just think GMs, I think he just makes GMs do stupid things because they know how good he is and they, they don't want to waste any time with him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I think there's obviously if LeBron wants to sign with your team, you do it because it's LeBron James. He's the greatest basketball player of all time. You want him on your team. Of course you do. Um, But there is absolutely a degree to which like your timeline then becomes LeBron's timeline. And you have to make moves like that reflect that. Um, Mm -hmm. And LeBron, which is a challenging place for a franchise to be because LeBron's timeline also maybe probably includes leaving and then good luck, you know? Right. Um, which, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's a frustrating place for a front office to be in, but the Lakers have it a little different because they have LeBron for so long. Right. Um, and I just, yeah, I just don't think they're doing a very good job. Well, also by the time, 
Oh, go ahead. Sorry, but by, by the time this contract's over, LeBron's probably not going to be the caliber of player that can basically caught like make you build everything around him at that point you know like he's still gonna be a really really good basketball player but i think I, ideally he's not the best player on the team in four years or three yeah. years you know like, so we are already like his regular season defense like i'm sh- i i will believe he can turn it on in the playoffs until he proves that he can't but right man he looked bad against the hawks well, like, and, like, they have to make the playoffs for him to turn it on, you know? Yeah, like, that's that's the other thing. Like, they look bad against the Hawks. Like, I think if I'm an opposing team, I start hunting down LeBron in these pick-and-roll situations because he's not going to try, and it's going to keep the Lakers out of the playoffs. Like, <laughs> there's a, I, I think there's a real possibility that LeBron's lack of effort in the regular season keeps the Lakers out of the playoffs. I almost feel like you're better off having him off ball so you can like cut against him or something because oh yeah I think yeah. if you're continually targeting him like the dude's going to get pissed you know yeah. he's going to yeah. feel like I'm the best player in the world you're not going to do this yeah. to me you know He played 43 minutes in a loss to the Hawks Yeah Yeah I, would... I don't know how long that can be sustained I don't know. Um, like they're gonna they're gonna have to go on a pretty massive run for them to make the playoffs, and I don't know if they have it. You know, like I think I have a lot of faith in LeBron playing really well to like put them in a position, but like you know, and I've seen a lot of like talk about you know did you, did one of you guys talk about LeBron getting switched on to Trey Young last night and not attacking it? Uh, I, I didn't I talk about. This. I saw. Yeah. This, yeah. Yeah, I, I saw it where he just kicks to Brandon Ingram in the corner. Yeah. Which, by the but, way, that was a great pass. Like, yeah, I think that's what's getting lost in all of this is, like, he got a teammate in open corner three, and we're, like, killing the dude because he wouldn't attack a switch. Yeah. I'm like, what? At the same, We've basically... like, at the same time, like, LeBron can score on Trey Young in any amount of time he desires like it is strange it's still strange that he didn't attack the switch even if like i think he made a good basketball play yeah i i don't know i just think that that is i think that's lebron and he's always gonna like i think analytically speaking an open corner three probably averages more points per possession than even him uh posting up trey young like honestly if we're just gonna get analytical about it it probably averages more points and like he saw an open guy in the corner and he just missed it. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, it's what he's done his whole career. I mean, you see him kick into the corner to Booby Gibson for a game winning three, you know, mm-hmm. early in his career. I mean, it's not like he's trying to change some narrative or I think he's just, yeah, like you said, he yeah. knows that's a better shot and he's not too arrogant to, which obviously he could back down Trey Young and it, it would benefit him to, evaluate those things a little better in game but i think it's just you know his his style of play he's just always no yeah. matter who's across from him he knows he can do whatever he wants and so here, that's just he's gonna be lebron here to me is the strange thing if this is just lebron and this is just the way lebron will play why is he why are he and the lakers so interested in establishing that they want to construct a different sort of roster around lebron like, why does he want playmakers and finishers around him then if he's still just going to pass to the corner three every time? Well, I, you know, I, 
I think in LeBron's brain, and I think when he was talking to the Lakers about what he wanted to do as he aged, I do think he wants to be more off ball, but I think he wants to play with like really good ball dominant guys. Um, I think he was describing an ideal situation and the Lakers kind of like just they didn't they just played it wrong. Like they were like, okay, we're going to get you playmakers. And then they got him like average to below average playmakers, you know? Yeah. Um, And like, I also think that, you know, transitioning to that kind of game, is not going to be something that just happens. You know, LeBron's played a certain way his entire career. And when he gets in situations like against the Hawks where they're down and they have to win the game, what is LeBron going to do? He's going to get the ball, you know, like, yeah. I guarantee you for the rest of this season, LeBron is going to have an absurd usage um, for the rest of the year. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is what happens when LeBron gets desperate is he trusts himself more than anybody else. He trusts himself not to just score, but to make the right play, you know? Yeah. Which is why the Lakers ended up trading for Mascala. Exactly. Which that was an incredibly stupid trade. I want to be clear. Like <laughs> yes. if Issa Zubats is like actually a decent player, and they traded him for like a part-time guy who can kind of shoot. Like it was an incredibly stupid yeah. trade. Like it's just I don't have anything good to say about it. But I feel like like I end like the Lakers and LeBron's concept for this season is like all well and good. But I really still feel like when it comes down to it, like when rubber meets the road, you're just gonna put a bunch of shooters around LeBron because it works. And it's always worked, and it will win games, which is ultimately what you need to do. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think absolutely. And I think that they have finally they've gotten to that point that it's just they're desperate to win games, and they saw that. Like, they saw Reggie Bullock as a guy. I didn't think that was a bad trade um, mm-hmm. for Reggie Bullock. And I think that I, I still the Muscala trade was stupid. Like, don't do that. <laughs> like, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, how do you guys like if right now, like, obviously it's, it's pretty easy, but like, what do you think are the chances that LeBron ever wins another championship in his career? I mean, I would say it's low. I think it has to be super low. Cause I mean, you're looking, would you be surprised if Kawhi resigns in, or at least takes his player option and stays in Toronto next year? Like, I don't yes. think you would be surprised if he does that. Yes. I think he's okay. going to go to the Clippers. But, yeah. And even even if he doesn't, it's not, you know, done deal. He's going to the yeah. Lakers. I don't know if if he stays in L.A., unless LeBron is ring chasing at the end of his career. I don't see yeah. well, like this is another one. Yeah. So, to me, because the Lakers aren't winning this year. Um, but... To me, it's going to depend on what the Lakers do next offseason. Like, if they, right. in free agency, don't strike out, I think there's a decent chance of moving forward because, with, like, as the Warriors break up, things are going to get wide open. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, like, if they strike out this free agency, yeah, I don't think he would. I mean, but who are they going to get? I think, realistically, their best bet this summer is Kemba. Like, is, is Kimba is your second best player winning you a title in the next few years? No. no. Like, I, I don't know. What and, I will you say. Know, maybe they get Kimba and AD in two years. But even right. still, is, 
as you know, Boston's still going to be around. I think Philly is still going to be around. Milwaukee is just going to get better. Yeah, Indiana could still be playing. Those are obviously all out east, but you know they're they're right. going to be teams. You know, Utah might be just one one you know star away. Oklahoma City will still be there. I don't know what what they can do with what they have right now to get LeBron a title soon. Yeah, so I guess I'm going to give like a, a a scenario. I think I think Anthony Davis is going to be a Laker at some point regardless. Like yeah. I think he more than anyone else like I I I feel more like he is dead set on going to the Lakers than like Paul George was even. You know, yeah, I yeah. think mm-hmm. I think that's fair to say. And I don't I don't necessarily think it's just because well, I just want to go to the Lakers. Like, I think he wants to play with LeBron because yeah. I don't think that there is a player better suited to play with Anthony Davis than LeBron James, you know, and yeah. I so I think that that's what is going to happen. So it just becomes about getting one more guy. And I don't even think that guy has to be a superstar, you know, like what if they were like they got. Like what I've thrown this out there, you know, what if they get impatient and like trade all their assets for Bradley Beal, you know, like LeBron, Bradley Beal and Anthony Davis. Like that's pretty damn good. You know, Yeah, that's yeah, it's good. And it's, just, I mean, like, I don't know. It's so it's hard to predict these things out this far because mm-hmm. like you have to look at like, what are the Nuggets going to be doing? You know, what are the right. Warriors going to be doing when this ends? Like. Yeah, there's, yeah, the Rockets will fall off. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think there's, there's nothing that's, that could happen that is, you know, gonna be. Oh, the LeBron's a lock for the finals this year. Like, yeah. I think the level of competition, even if, you know, they get AD and Bradley Beal, that team would be awesome. But you know, that's, that's two years from now. You know, how is, how old's yeah. Bradley Beal going to be then? How old's LeBron going to be then? I, well, mean, I mean, obviously they'll Beal, still be. Beal and Davis great would players. be in their prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Beal that, and like, Davis are young still. Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, a prime, like a prime AD is just so good next to LeBron, especially if he really wants to become like this off-ball power forward, like making secondary play, making decisions and cutting. Like I think that that that's really good. And, like, that's a great start for a team. And, like, Bradley Beal works with that because, like, basically any shooting guard works with that. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, no, they're going to be I, good. But, like, the best they can be is a contender in the West, right? There's right. never going to be another situation where he's just going to make the finals every year. Yeah. I think he's got one more year. Uh, I think he's got one more championship run in him, if I'm being honest. Like, Yeah, that's, that's, know, that's the thing. He has one more. To me, he has one more run at it like one more shot to get it i don't think i i think the the percentage is much less likely that he wins one obviously yeah yeah i think yeah he's got he's probably got another run left and then it'll just determine like well what's what is happening in the east when that happens right you know um, yeah, or what's happening with the Warriors? You know, there's there's a lot there are a lot of variables in the situation, but I think yeah. mm-hmm. I think that at some point in Los Angeles, he is going to have the chance to win a championship, and I just tend to think that he will get it done at least one time. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I think he I think he's the best player of all time, and 
I think he'll get it done one more time. Now I, I know like I'm talking like he might be 37 years old when he does it, but I think LeBron is going to age extremely well, you know, and yeah, in a well, playoff run, he's going to be able to get it done. Yeah. Well, like the first thing is like, show me evidence that LeBron isn't still like the most incredible athlete in the world. Like other than right. the fact that he doesn't care and doesn't try. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and at that point, it's like, even if everything else goes off, he's the most gifted passer of his generation, maybe of all time. Like, so yeah, he's always going like, to be a great player. Is, is the less athletic version of LeBron James, not magic Johnson. Yeah. Like, it's bad. <laughs> it is exactly. We've been saying it like we've been calling him like a more athletic magic Johnson. And like, so if he gets less athletic, then is he just magic Johnson? And like, come on, like that's an incredible player. So, yeah, I don't know. Like the, for all we know, um, the dude might have five more years of just elite basketball left, you know? Yeah. Or like this groin thing never goes away and he's just never the same. Like, Stop. which is a thing that can happen when you're 34. Nope. Don't talk about it. Nope. <laughs> um, like it I'll was not so entertain fun. this. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> before we go away from this, I want to go back to Anthony Davis. Cause I have, okay. so, and the, the league has now come out and denied this, which makes no sense. Um, like that is just a lie, but they are forcing the Pelicans to play Anthony Davis. Yeah. And I think it's, just the crappiest thing that they can do to that franchise, which is like a series leads through to me to like a series of decisions that leads me to think like I think Adam Silver is a bad commissioner. And okay. I think that he has been riding like the um coattails oh, of his really? success and doing yeah, of doing what any sensible human being would do with the Donald Sterling situation and only doing it after LeBron like spoke out about it. But right. yeah, like he still gets credit for that. And like pulling the all-star game from Charlotte um, in wake of the bathroom built thing. Like these are things that any reasonable human being would do. I tired of giving him credit for it. He did his best to destroy the 76ers because they did a thing he didn't like. Right. Um, and he's doing the exact same things to the Pelicans, a franchise that if this Anthony Davis stuff doesn't go well, will not exist. <laughs> Right. Right. Well, like, what? He's putting them in an impossible situation. Yeah. Well, I, you know, there is a little inconsistency there too because I would, um, I would say that this move is a pro player move. Like he's on Anthony Davis's side because AD is the one that wants to play in this situation, and you know that's been pretty, um, pretty consistent throughout his, you know his tenure as commissioner is that he's going to side with the players more times than not. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think like, obviously I think the Philly thing was utterly ridiculous and really, really stupid and like not really any one side. He screwed a franchise and like, obviously he didn't really help players in the situation either. Um, so I, I don't know like if I'm ready to just say like, Oh, he's a terrible commissioner, but he's definitely made some stupid decisions in in the process but you know also he's i mean he's just he's working for something different than what we as fans are wanting him to work for you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like it's it's always going to be about money and the idea of a top five player who wants to play not playing like there's just in no situation from like a money standpoint is that good you know and i understand like 
And I, I don't necessarily like what incentive does he have to keep the Hornet or the, not the Hornets, but the Pelicans in New Orleans. Like I bet he would probably rather have them in Seattle. You like know? He, abs- you know, he absolutely would. But the thing is that like that sucks for Pelicans fans. Absolutely. It absolutely does. You know, but like, you know, if he's just looking for the health of the NBA and like the popularity of the NBA, I think you're probably looking at a more popular and better NBA if Seattle has a team instead of New Orleans. Yeah, but that's like at that point, then like every small market team is like, oh, okay, like the commissioner doesn't like us and is working to undermine us. And that's that's rough. Like, yeah, well, I don't. I don't think it has to be looked at, though, as every small market, because New Orleans isn't just your average small market. They're a horrible franchise like their their ownership, like you said earlier, cares significantly more about an NFL team than an NBA team. You know, like they're a horribly run franchise. Anthony Davis isn't leaving New Orleans because they're a small market team. I've seen a lot of this crap going around. Yeah, no, that's not it. But he's leaving them because they suck and they have sucked forever since he's been in the league, you know. So I don't I don't know. Like, I don't think a team like, let's say, Oklahoma City, like they're a well-run organization. Like, I don't think that they have to fear Adam Silver trying to get them to move, you know, even if they go through years of like not like of less success than what we've seen. Like, I, I don't think that that's a like something that is being attacked overall. Yeah. Now at the same time, I feel like the um, like the Knicks, right, who are way worse run than Pelicans and have been for decades—not decades, maybe a decade and a half. Um, like they have no fear of this, and it's because they're in New York. It's because they're the Knicks, and that's like, like I understand that that is a, I understand the reason for that, right? And that's not something that Adam Silver created, but like I don't know. I feel like as a commissioner, you have to understand that like your role should not be to exacerbate the differences between markets. Like, even if that, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's frustrating. I, I think making the play Anthony Davis is, if Anthony Davis wanted to play, he shouldn't have demanded to be traded. Like, right. that's... <laughs> and I also don't know why he wants to play. Like, there's really yeah. no upside for him wanting to play. Like, it, it's a weird situation overall. I, yeah. if I were the Pelicans, like, honestly, I would sit him. Because and I would just pay the fines, like I just would. But but the know? thing is, like, the report is that it's not just fines; that they would start taking away draft picks. And I don't know if you look him in the eye and say, "Do it," like I dare you, try. But right, that would be like again, like we're talking about. If any part of this goes wrong for the Pelicans, they are in Seattle. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough, it's a really tough, awkward situation. And that's like, that's the downside of this trade being handled in the public like it was, you know, like if he had gone to them just super quietly and discreetly and told them what the situation was, I think it's more likely he would have been traded and it they wouldn't be in such an awkward situation of like making him play because they would probably be more on the same page and he probably would be more willing to sit. I really feel that way. I think things have like soured a lot by the way that the public trade demand was handled, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I I think just like how everything, you know, the public, like you guys said, how, how they went so public with it, how 
New Orleans, you know, they're at legitimate risk of losing the team. Like, I think there were, if if it's any other franchise, like, let's say Oklahoma City is sending away Anthony Davis. Like, there, there were deals out there that, you know, like, I think a, a deal from Toronto or something for, you know, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, you know, picks, other stuff, like, that, to me, and obviously that's a, you know, basketball, that's kind of a, like, a numbers guy take, you know, you know, Pascal Siakam doesn't excite anybody for the future, but, like, they could have gotten a good package from teams right now without having to wait for Boston, but, like you said, they're, no one's going to give them that much because they probably know he's not going to resign. He's going to go to the Lakers. No one, like they're, they're, they can't take on. The Pelicans don't want to do anything that's not for a potential star because, like you said, they have the, the next chance after AD, like that could be their last chance to be relevant. Like, yeah. so I guess I, I have an argument. Like, what if. I think the Lakers trade that they turned down is going to wind up being the best offer they will get for Anthony Davis because I, I think Boston's plans are going to get blown up this summer. Like I don't yeah. think Kyrie's staying, yeah, and I don't think they'll be willing to trade for Anthony Davis if they don't have Kyrie, right? Um, or they're going to like be like, "Eh, we'll give you Marcus Smart and a pick or something." Like it'll be a really crappy package that they'll trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so. But, like, think about, like, if they wind up getting all of those Lakers guys, like, it's not just going to be those Lakers guys on a team. Like, they're still going to have Drew Holiday and Julius Randle. Like, they could put together a really, really entertaining team to watch. You know, mm-hmm. like, think about Alonzo and Drew Holiday backcourt. Like, that's a really good backcourt yeah. that could play some yeah. really exciting basketball. And, like, I think that that does more for them than – a team that like, oh, we have Jason Tatum, who's a young star in the making. Like Jason Tatum as a star, it doesn't have the most exciting game, you know? And yeah. like Anthony Davis doesn't have the most exciting game. And like, they did not have good fan support with Anthony Davis. So like, why not try something else? Like, why not try, oh, we're going to go super up tempo with like all of these young guys that we got from the Lakers. Um, and so I think that they made a mistake in not trading Anthony Davis when they did. Because if the Lakers, I mean, the Lakers are not smart, but the Lakers will never offer them an offer like that again if they're a confident franchise, you know? Yeah. Like, at the same time, um, man, like, this just sucks for the Pelicans. Yes, yeah, it does. Like, we can, you can talk about the how interesting and fun and up-tempo that team would be, but it still doesn't, like, I don't know. I think it might that might be fun for like the Zach Lowe's of the world to write about, but I, it's not going to draw casual fans. And I really don't think Jason Tatum is going to draw casual fans either. I, I I don't think I I think the the Pelicans are going to lose their franchise. Like I don't really think there was anything they could do in this situation to keep them. Yeah. You know, if I'm being honest, like and it's just, or at the very least, I don't think there's anything that I don't think they're ever going to be a well-supported team. You know, yeah. so like. Maybe they stay, but they're, like, just the worst atmosphere in the NBA, and they have, like, the worst support in the league. Like, maybe that's – they're able to keep it for a while, but I don't know. I was just thinking maybe, like, if you try something different from what they've had, which they've had the great player <laughs> who doesn't necessarily play the most exciting kind of basketball, but, like, 
you know, try to go like be the freaking Denver Nuggets. You know what I mean? Like not the Jokic version, but like the version that after they traded Mello, where they just had like a ton of good players and they just played super fast and were fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and it sucks for the Pelicans to have to go through this and lose this, but. We've mentioned the KD scenario. Like the Thunder could look a lot different if they had gone through this. You know, you might be looking at Bradley Beal and Kelly Oubre and you know other guys that they could have drafted if the Thunder had the luxury right. of knowing that their guy was leaving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's no telling what the Thunder could have gotten for Kevin Durant if they had had a year and a half head start in knowing yeah. what was going to happen. You know. Yeah. So. Um. Man. Yeah. It's just. And, like, the other thing that really hangs over the Pelicans is that, like, a lot of their woes are still just aftershocks of Katrina. Like, yeah. New Orleans is a small market because a hurricane destroyed New Orleans, like, right? how many, like, 15 years ago now? Yeah. Like, that is that is why New Orleans suffers as a market. Because right. it got destroyed and never got rebuilt. And that's yeah, okay. well, He's big enough for two teams. Bring him back. <laughs> Send them to Tulsa. Oh, the Tulsa, the Tulsa Pelicans. After the, after the BOK Center recovers from the Travis Scott meltdown. Yeah, yeah, that'd be amazing. They, they can house the Pelicans. <laughs> um, I, and I, my only thing with that too is like, it's not like the Saints aren't a really well-supported team in that city, you know. Yeah. It's like there's clearly a priority set by the people that do live there, you know, mm-hmm. and that market that football is just much more important to them. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think that they're always going to be fighting an uphill battle. Again, like I agree that the hurricane had a huge impact, but they also weren't a great franchise before that hurricane yeah. either. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they weren't really well supported before that. So it's it's tough. It's yeah. really tough to – like they it's were just, probably in reality, they were probably doomed from the beginning. Like they really, it was probably pretty spectacular that they had kept their franchise for this long, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. they've lost a, they've lost a team before. I mean, the jazz were there, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's not like they, it hasn't happened before. So it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a tough situation. Yeah. Um, ultimately they, 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 they'll lose the Pelicans. The interesting thing right. to me, will be to watch Sonics fans grapple with the fact that they now have to watch a team they stole. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It'll be amazing. Um, we do we, do we want to talk about some, some MVP? Because honestly, like we've been in this podcast for a long time. I don't even know how long we've been recording for now, but um, we haven't talked about the Thunder at all. <laughs> and Which is I a shock it, considering this is a Thunder podcast. Right. <laughs> um, as, as Thunder fans, I think we're all pretty excited about how things are going, especially on the Paul George front. Yeah. Um, so I want to get into some MVP conversation. And my, I guess let's just all go through and rank our MVP, like our top three right now. Let's start with Sam. Top five. Top um, three. Let's do three. It's a three-man three. race. It's a three-man okay. race. Yeah, no three, yeah. yeah, I th- I got to go Giannis one. I mean, they have the best record right now. They're, mm-hmm. I mean, Giannis is just an absolute monster. I think I saw on Twitter just a bit ago, 
Um, he's the third player since like 76 to have, I think, 25, 15, and five in three straight mm-hmm. games. And he had a, he had a triple-double tonight. Um, and he's just been unreal, you know, leading them to, you know, everyone thought they would kind of be around the fourth spot in the East with Indiana. And they're just, you know, leading the league right now. It's insane what Boonholzer's done there. So I think you got to go Giannis one. Right now, as much as I hate it, I think I have to go Harden two and then Paul George three. I okay. I despise James Harden's game more than anything watching it. But, I mean, you can't deny that he gets results and he's insanely good at what he does. Um, and for all the, like, for the depth issues they have and for, you know, Chris Paul being down for so long and just, you know, how not good a lot of their guys are. I think he is um, pulling a lot of weight similar to Russell Westbrook's MVP season. And I'd, so I'd, I'd have him too. And I think I'd have Paul George three. Okay. Ryan. Um, so this is, to me, this is a challenge. I think Giannis is one. Um, okay. And I, I actually, my order is the same as Sam's. I think it's Giannis one, Harden two, Paul George three. Okay. Um, and like, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know how to feel about how Harden is playing because like, I am less of a Harden hater than Sam is. I don't despise Harden's game, but it is frustrating because I know he could. He is so close to being one of the most aesthetically pleasing players in the game. His handle is so fluid. He's an incredible shooter. But it's just... the And the frustrating thing about it is that it comes out in clutch situations. Like, when his team is down, and to me this is the difference between him and Russell Westbrook last year. Um, when his team is down, like, he just... It gets bad. Like the worst, his worst tendencies come out in late game situations when his team is down, which is exactly mm-hmm. when you would want an MVP to like do the opposite. Um, yeah. So to me, that's that's why, like, even though I think like Giannis is playing really well, and I like to the point where I think people are actually underrating how well he's playing. Um, I I still feel like what Harden's doing is maybe more impressive, but it's just. In the big game situations, it's just hard to watch. Um, and then Paul George is three because, like, he's incredible, but nobody cares about defense. So he's three. Right. I, okay, so I'm going to go my MVP. I think James Harden is the MVP right now. Um, and I, like, watching that guy, like, that step back three is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Like, it's just, Literally unguardable. Like nobody in the league knows how to guard it. And tell that to Josh Jacoby, baby. Yeah, I know. I saw him block one. I get it. Uh, um, my here's my one. The step back three. I have so many conflicting feelings about it because, like, I watch them play, and like, it is so frustrating to see a bad shot go in every time. But I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. Happening. It's not. It's not a bad shot. Like, if you shoot forty percent on step backs, it's a good shot. I know, but it's just so frustrating because nothing happens all possession, and then he takes a step back three, and it goes in. And it doesn't feel, like, cosmically just. 
Like the I, universe feels out of whack when it yeah, happens. He is li- he is breaking basketball. Like he's literally doing basically the same thing that like Steph Curry has done, but instead of just shooting from further away than anyone ever has, he's doing it with a step back three. Yeah, you know, like it's that same kind of thing. Like, and it's it's pretty ridiculous at this point. Um, I think, I mean, I just think he provides the most value to a basketball team. Like he does literally everything on one end of the court for them. And I don't, I don't know what they are as a basketball team this year without him, you know, like it just, yeah, you know, it, they're just not good. And I, I understand like some of the numbers will tell you like, well, they tread water just fine with them off the court. I get it, but I don't trust those numbers. You know what I mean? So, um, and then my, my number two MVP, I'm going to go with Paul George at two. Um, and the reason why I'm going with Paul George at two is because um, I think he's maybe the defensive player of the year. So he is doing it at an elite level on both ends. I know Giannis is too. But I do – I think the value that he provides as a shooter – like Giannis still can't shoot. You know, I know yeah. he's shooting a little better now, but like – Giannis can't shoot and Giannis is in a situation that is just, he could not be in a more perfect situation for him. Like he's in a five out system and he's taking advantage of all those situations. But when it comes down to a late game situation, I mean, I don't really know like Giannis is okay, but like his lack of shooting is going to come into play in those scenarios. And when you're thinking about playoff basketball and I know it's a regular season award, but at the highest level of basketball, the fact that Giannis isn't a great shooter, it's going to keep him from being as good as he was in the regular season. And I, I have to ding him a little bit for that. And like Paul George, looking at the numbers, like the dude is basically Kevin Durant. And I just thought that that was impossible. You know, like he's just so much better than I ever thought he would be. And this is a bit of a homer pick because I'm just like honestly shocked to see what he is doing. You know, yeah, um, and like the dude, and like people, t- he's been amazing over the last month. But just the last, pretty much since that opening, like slow start to the season for the Thunder, he's been maybe the best player in the NBA, and that's insane to me. You know, yeah. like his he's um, just unbelievable. Yeah, his on-off differential to me is the thing where it's just amazing. Yeah, well, like coming into this year, the Thunder were like, oh, we've got to find out a way to keep keep games close when Russ isn't on the court. And now the team, when Russ is on the court without Paul George, they're a negative eight, you know, and that's, that's wild, you know, so they're not getting the best version of Russell Westbrook and the team is still, you know, they're fighting for the second spot in the West, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's why I've got Paul George at, at two. And like, honestly, I, you know, look at the last two head to head matchups. And I know this is kind of stupid, to look at it but like the dude balled on both of these other guys you know this is true he had some of his best games against both these guys yeah to me um i'm really interested to see what the arguments for Giannis look like as we get down to it because right now like obviously like to me leading into the all-star break is just everybody establishing themselves as an mvp contender like the actual arguments that like are formulated by the media happen coming forward and I'm interested to see the arguments for Giannis because I think you're absolutely right. Like, ultimately, there's a degree to which you can say that Giannis is a system player, which is wild because the system is Giannis. But 
right. still like he needed Bud and he needed this team to play in Bud's style for him to be able to provide success. But ultimately, there's a lot of ways in which he doesn't play like a star, like right, um, which is yeah. weird because he's amazing. But right. yeah, it's it's just he, his role on that team is so different than the role that Paul George plays and very different than the role Harden plays. Yeah, and I right. think that's part of why I have Giannis, you know, ahead of Paul George because yeah, he is a product of the system, but I think you know for Russell Westbrook's deficiencies this year, I think he significantly makes it easier on Paul George, whereas Giannis, you know, his thing is where he's significantly with even without the shooting, he's making it easier for Chris Middleton to be an all-star, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I think he's no, I think he's, he's elevating people around him more than like, Paul George is. Absolutely. I think all three of these guys are being optimized, like, pretty much to their fullest potential. Like, I really do. Like, I think I think Paul George's ideal role is next to a guy like Russell Westbrook um, yeah. in setting and, him up and stuff. Yeah. James and Harden's obviously, ideal role is by himself with the ball, yeah. 24 seconds to dribble. Exactly. A hundred percent. Like that's where he's able to show like the full extent of his powers as a basketball player is where he's the only, basically the only option to score, you know? And so, I mean, that's why I think this, this is a really fun MVP race because you've got three guys playing their best basketball in ideal situations. And I think that that's kind of fun. Um, and I, I don't have a problem with any, I love watching Giannis play. Like I really do. Um, and I love him as a player like he's a great like he's a really good character like he's just funny you know yeah. like the dude is an awesome guy yeah so i have no problem with he would probably give a really funny mvp speech so i would love to see Giannis win it i mean i'm just i can't ignore what james harden's doing right now and just like the fact that like i personally case, love to ignore what jason james yeah Harden's doing i mean i'm not saying i watch it very often <laughs> um but like i mean the fact that like the argument for him is kind of similar to what Russ did a couple years ago and won MVP. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to stay consistent in that and just like the dude is doing the most for his team. And it, it's not the best basketball player award. It's the most valuable player award. Yeah. So I'm it's, fun, agree with that. it's fun like, to listen to guys like Bill Simmons's robot gears grind to a halt whenever they, start arguing for Harden as the MVP whenever they, you know, so much hated Russ as the MVP. Because, I mean, uh-huh. By the way, it's almost the same thing. This whole season has been a glorious time for the Bill Simmons haters of the world. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Yes. The, the, the Celtics implosion, just so much was so good. Um, yeah. The, um, yeah, and, yeah, no, it's... It, there is a really funny, dramatic irony in Harden taking the role of Russ in this conversation. Yeah. Um, like, but again, to like to me, the difference is that like nothing about what Harden does stirs my soul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm I mean, uh, I'm with Alex. I I really I do love you know Harden. He's not the most athletic guy in the world. He's not Russell Westbrook, but like. Things like his first step, how he's so quick, how his handle is so tight, like he overcomes his athletic deficiencies, you know, better than anyone does. Like that step back 
whether you want to say it's a travel most of the time or not, which it is. But like that doesn't change the fact that it's just devastating and unguardable. Like those things that he does incredibly well are fun to watch. And it's just yeah. like the foul seeking, man. I can't I cannot get over the like how awful it is to watch the like stoppage of play for him to shoot 24 free throws a game. Which, again, I get that it's, you know, the most efficient shot in the game is to get on the free throw line. But, man, it's just like, I hate yeah. watching it. Yeah. And yeah, um, the frustrating thing to me is that it, I admire a lot of the way Harden plays. I think that he's um, a beautiful finisher. He's an incredible shooter. He's got a great handle. He his ability to traverse space is sometimes traveling and sometimes beautiful. Um, it's there's so many aspects of the game that are so clever, and I just I really appreciate that. But the end result is that he plays basketball in a way that is hard to watch because there's just a lot of standing and dribbling and then taking a shot that goes in more often than not, and that feels wrong. Um, yeah, it's just, it's so weird. It's so hard to wrap my mind around how I feel about James Hart. Yeah. And, and like, it's hard because I mean, really the way things have gone the last couple of years, it's really hard to be a Russell Westbrook fan and a James Harden fan because the two sides have been pitted against each other so much that like, you know, if you like Russ, it's like, you can't like James Harden, you know? And so like, I have a hard time, like, I don't enjoy watching him play at all. Like, I really don't. But I still am going to say, like, that he provides the most value to his team. You know what I mean? Um, but anyways, are we, do we have any other thoughts on the MVP race? Like, I think we're all pretty close in how we view it. It's just, I had kind of, I just wanted to be a little different from you guys, no. too. And no, I, I agree with you. I, actually, my, my genuine feeling is that James Harden probably wins it. But it's, right. it's just so strange. It feels weird to say that. Because I just, again, it just doesn't stir anything in my soul. Right. I would love for Kawhi to be in the MVP race. I think he would be right up there if he you know, didn't sit out so often. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah, Kawhi's been great. Holy yeah. crap. You know a guy we aren't mentioning is Pascal Siakam. Dude, I know. I told you they should have traded him for AD. Yeah. The man had 44 points tonight. I yeah. just... I don't watch enough Toronto to actually know anything about Pascal Siakam's game. He is... Okay, the way... Tell me about... He yeah, honestly, I am an alien. the blog okay. boy's darling. No, I, I honestly... I'm, I am... I think... Go ahead. Here. Go ahead. I've got, a, I've got a snare. I am a... Tabula rasa to basketball. I am a blank slate. I have studiously now learned the rules of the game and a general understanding of every aspect of what basketball play is like. Now, explain to me Pascal Siakam. Okay, can I can I just try to make it a little simpler for you that knows a little bit about basketball? Sure. I kind of think of him as a better Jeremy Grant. Okay. <laughs> like... This, the, like this was my question: Is like, is he better or worse than Jeremy Grant? Do he they is better. Really? He is. He's definitely better than Jeremy Grant. I think that they 
play basketball in a, you know relatively similar ways. I don't know if Sam has a differing opinion. No, um, I'd say that's that's fair. Yeah, like I think Siakam is is kind of he's higher in the pecking order for them than Jeremy Grant is for mm-hmm. the Thunder. Um, but like just the way like they like to get to the rim and they they'll shoot. They don't like. I mean, Pascal Siakam is shooting okay from three, but it's not like the dude is like creating those shots. Like he's getting yeah. dished the ball and he's shooting thirty four percent on him, you know, and doing pretty well. He's a good. He is a better rebounder than Jeremy Grant. Like, like he came into the league as like a four. Um, he was. Whereas he was, Jeremy a, he was a big in. man in college, right? Yeah, and Jeremy, Jeremy came, came in, in as, as a three, yeah. and they made him into a four, and like. Yeah. I don't know. That's just kind of how I see them. But I mean, obviously, the dude scored forty-four points, and like Jeremy Grant's never done that yeah. in his life, probably. So at the same time, um, I do feel like we have yet to scratch. We have only scratched the surface of Jeremy's ability. Yeah. Um, so that that kind of t- like I want to talk about. Um, you know, we mentioned him a lot in our MVP thing. I want to talk about Russell Westbrook because. I don't know if that guy could be having a weirder season than he's having um, yeah. because in like almost every aspect of the game, he's having his best season, but he can't shoot the basketball anymore. Yeah. It looks like he's pushing the ball towards the backboard when he shoots now. And it just, it's painful to watch. Yeah. I think that something is wrong. Because it, this doesn't happen unless something is wrong. And I don't know what is wrong, but I feel like something is wrong. I also don't know if it's a thing that can get better. But, yeah, clearly something is wrong. Yeah. I think is, he's, he's just a guy that's, like, so... I think it's all mental, really. Right. I think he's just someone that's so, I don't know, into himself. Like, like I think, yeah, I think he's just... It, it's it's a, a problem that has compounded... You know, after you know going cold for a bit, you know he you see it in a game, you know one singular game, it's just you know it's going to be one of those Russell Westbrook games where he's you know forcing a lot of stuff up, he's out of control, and things starts to compound on top of each other, and I think it might just be like a compounding season in that regard, yeah. and that he's in his own head about his shooting. Here is yeah. Here is to me the strangest aspect of this is that his what I consider like one of the only jump shots that I'm fine with Russell Westbrook taking, um, which is him coming off a high screen and stopping at the elbow. Um, I'm fine with him taking that shot nine times out of ten because he makes that shot a lot. I don't remember the last time I've seen him do that. Like, yeah, it definitely hasn't happened as much. Um, and to me, that's the, that's the weirdest part of this is like he's. I wonder, like, I'd I'd love to. This would be like a statistical nightmare homework, but I would love to compare like what is, what is his field goal percentage if you take those shots out, and how does that compare to what we're seeing now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that the way. I mean, I feel like there's a possible scenario that, like, we obviously, like, Russ is obviously making a concerted effort to do different things on the basketball court now. Like, yeah. he is, I think he's kind of transitioning into, like, being a 
um, just a, I mean, he's been a good distributor the last few years, but like, that's kind of like his primary goal is to get Paul George going now. Yeah. And like, I think that's a change of pace for him. The fact that like he's playing off ball more is a change of pace for him because he's got Schroeder to deal with now too. Like he's got a legitimate point guard to play with and, and he's also playing defense more. Like he's playing better defense and like, he's still he's getting triple doubles more effortlessly than he really ever has this year you know what i mean um so i maybe the fact that like he's diversified his game has just thrown him off from shooting you know because he's focused so much on doing other things yeah um that that's thrown off like maybe it's the fact that like Maybe he got his confidence in shooting before in his career from the fact that he was an 80-plus percent free-throw shooter. And the fact that he's not that anymore is, again, he's making him, like, less confident in his actual shot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I think the way that he's got to go, like, I think his shot selection has been as big a problem as anything over the last, especially the last month or so, because... Like, the dude is taking these horrible turnaround shots where he just throws it at the backboard. Yeah. Tries to it's, bank um, him in. Yeah. And I think he needs to try to simplify the kind of shots he's taking. Like, yeah. get back to taking – I don't care if he's taking threes, like, like off the catch. Like, he, you know, he hasn't been good at them, but take them because they're decent, like, shots for yeah. an average shooter at least. And – you know, get back to taking your 15 foot pull up, you know, and I don't know. Like, he's just, I think he's got to simplify his scoring game a little bit because he's trying to do a lot of different things. He's trying to go in the post. He's trying yeah. to take catch and shoot threes. He's trying to take off the dribble threes. He's trying to just do a little bit of everything. And I just yeah. don't think that that is what he needs right now. I think he needs to simplify it a little bit so he can maybe get one aspect of his shooting going. Yeah. And, like, last night against the Blazers, maybe something that we can look for is, like, he was 5 of 19, but he still wound up scoring more points than shots because he was able to get to the line a lot, and he shot a decent percentage uh-huh. um, for once. And maybe that's his path is, like, instead of, like, just focus on trying to get fouled more, you know, like, because that was, that was always something that he was great at. Like, he wasn't. Harden-esque, but he would shoot almost as many free throws because he would just go in with reckless abandon and try to draw fouls, you know? So maybe that's just what he needs to get back to and, like, screw it. If you go 6 for 14 from the line, at least you got 14 free throws, you know? Like, I don't know. I think he'll probably wind up going 10 for 14 more often than, like, 6 for 14 if he's getting to the line a lot. Yeah. Um, For me... Like he's got to stop posting guys up. Um, <laughs> it's... But in his defense, he has the best post-up scoring celebration in the league. I think that is a massive problem for the Thunder. Like I really think, like there was absolutely a moment in the Blazers game where he was like, "You know what? I'm gonna rock the baby on Dame," and he tried like four times in a row and it didn't work. Uh-huh. I think, and and you know the other thing at this is that there's a lot of sense to Russ taking smaller guards into the post. Like it's a position from which good things could happen. Theoretically to me, he's got to expand his post game. If he's going to keep taking guys to the post. Yeah. Maybe he needs to develop a hook shot. Like if he can just work on, because that's, that's really one of the problems when he comes to the post, other than the fact that he can't shoot, which is the biggest problem. 
Um, it's that he, if he takes you to the post, he is passing out of it or he is taking a turnaround day. Like, yeah. you don't have to be worried about him drop-stepping you or giving you an up-and-under. Like, he is going to attempt a turnaround J or he is passing the ball. Yeah. Well, every now and then, he'll get all the way to the rim, and he'll do that, like, quick, sweeping, left-handed finger roll. That's also not a very accurate shot for him. Yeah. Like, it's better than his turnaround, but it's still not very good. Um, yeah. No, I, I don't know, man. Sam, do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, he, like, when he does get in the post, when he does pass it, like, he is a great passer out of the post, and he certainly commands a lot of attention anytime he has the ball. And so I'm sure it, there are benefits to it. But, like we've mentioned, there are way too many, you know, try four times in a row to rock the baby on Dame. There are way too many turn around, throw it up, to where it's like, surely this can't be evening out. Yeah, like you would you would hope that, you know, like like LeBron, if if he gets Trey Young on him in the post, you would think that Russ would take him straight to the rack and throw it down. But I think there's there are way too many times where he it doesn't get the end result you would like that. Surely it's not evening out. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's but it's like because you get why he's doing it because he is a big guard like. And mm-hmm. like, th- yeah, there's a lot of sense to it, but it just isn't working out. And I don't know if somebody needs to talk to him about it, but like, we can't have four rust post ups in a row. And that was a huge part of the Blazers getting back into that game. Right. Yeah, I've I've lost hope of that becoming a something he can fix this year. Like, yeah. I hope I hope that over the off season he can get something going in terms of shooting because that was one of the things they talked about. Like shooting was a major emphasis for him this off season. Um, and I don't know, man, I, yeah. I he, he needs another off season to work on it because it's, yeah. it's bad. Um, yeah. so I guess my, my question would be like this version of Russ, like what are we talking about in terms of him as like, where is he in the pecking order of, of players in the NBA? You know, cause I, I would say the last couple of years before this, you're looking at a guy, you know, two years ago, obviously he's a top five player in the league. Probably last year, you're probably looking at more of like seven or eight. Um, but like, I feel like he's borderline top 15 now. I think he's, I think he's solidly top 15. I think the question becomes whether or not he's top 10 anymore. Right. Um, he's certainly not wherever the ringer ranked him at the beginning of this year. That was really stupid. Where where was he? Oh, that was like for their beginning of the season where he was like twenty fifth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like uh, that was only taking into account this year, though. Yeah, um, and he was and he was like hurt for a good period of that, right. which fine. Yeah. Um, I think like he's still like averaging a triple double. He's still the best rebounding guard in the game, which I don't know how much that is how how much that matters, but it is a true fact. Um, he, right. he's leading the league in assists for a second year in a row. Like mm-hmm. I can't even, like, I don't know the exact number of years he's been in the top three in assists, but it's a while. Um, yeah. he is, I mean, I think with the decline of Chris Paul, you have to consider him one of the best passing, like maybe the best passing guard. 
Like apart, well, point guard, I would say, and that's I think Harden's a better passer, but it doesn't matter because he never does it. Okay, well, he ever. <laughs> that's not fair to that's not fair to James Harden. Um, I like Russ is an underrated passer, which is wild. Is essentially my point. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, his shooting is cratered, but like I think the worst thing you can say about Russ is that he is like the best Rondo that could ever exist. <laughs> and I don't know yeah. where you rank that player, but right. the best well, Rondo ever. I think he deserves a lot of credit for literally all four other starters that he's playing with are having the best year of their career. You know, like they're all having career years. Paul George is by far the best version of himself right now. Steven Adams is, is having his best year. Terrence Ferguson has developed into a legitimately good two guard on offense, you know? Yeah. And Jeremy Grant's having a career year. And like, obviously Russell Westbrook is in charge of the offense and he deserves a ton of credit for that. Yeah. Um, I just, the fact like, I mean, the dude, if you can't shoot in the playoffs, like teams are going to figure out ways to limit everyone else at your expense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They're going to start defending him differently even than they have so far. And it's going to affect the rest of the players on the team just because the guy can't shoot, you know? Yeah. Like, I think about how hard, how ridiculously hard would this Thunder team be to guard if, like, Dame Lillard was their point guard? You know, like, if you had to worry about shooting off of the dribble from the point guard position for the Thunder, like, I just don't know how you would guard them, you know? And I think that that... Given all Russell Westbrook does for the team, I think that the ability to shoot off the dribble is a more important skill than anything Russell Westbrook brings to the table. Spicy take. Yeah, no, I'm dead serious. Like, I've I've thought about this a lot, and I'm like, I see a guy like Dame, like the pressure he puts on a defense. And, like, obviously Steph, like, of course, because Steph is just better than Russ. Like, there's no argument there. But, like... Dame, even a guy like Kyrie, I think would just. Yeah. I think well, the actually, would be this better. is an interesting. This is an interesting game. Let's go through. Um, a, let's go through the list of top point guards in the league and find out where the split is. Yeah, so, I think it. I think it really is right there. I mean, I'll let Ryan list them off, but I think yeah. the, the right. it really is Kyrie, Dame, and Russ kind of all in the same area. Yeah. So obviously, Steph would make this team better. Right. Um, Steph better. Steph as NBA better. Twitter would say. As NBA Twitter would say. Um, this like this is hard. Does Chris Paul make this team better? Uh, I think last year's version of Chris Paul does, not this year's. Okay, I would just, agree. That's that's that that's part of the problem is that Chris Paul is also in flux right now. Right. Um, yeah. Dame, we say yes. I say yes. I don't know what you guys say. I'm I'm pretty. I don't know how much it makes us better. I think it's I think it's pretty even there. Okay, I, better in certain aspects, but I okay. think I think there is something to be said about how much, for all his deficiencies, how much Russ does elevate everyone else, and how much people love playing with him. Not that people yeah. don't love playing with Dame, but I think. Russ can do so much that improves everybody else. I think it would kind of be a Dame himself might, you know, 
you would watch the eye test, you'd be like, oh, Dame is better on this team than Russ is. But I think it would all kind of balance out. I don't think, you know, I don't think Dame improves Terrence Ferguson as much. I don't think Jeremy Grant is as deadly as he is with Dame as his point guard is Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Like, okay. there's the other aspect of this is like, I don't know how we feel about these guys on the other end of the floor, right? Because mm-hmm. that's a place Russ has made massive strides this season. He's regressed a bit now. Um, right. But like, he's still like, he works really well in the defensive system the Thunder have. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, my, my, my argument though, is that like on the, off the dribble shooting is more important than that. Off the dribble shooting is that. the most important skill for a, a okay. ball handler to have, in my opinion. And, but I will say that like defensively, the things that Russ is good at, like most high level point guards, when they're locked in, they can do the things Russ does because like, I mean, Russ, what he, he gets a lot of steals, you know, whenever he's locked in defensively and he's able to stay in front of a guy like that's a valuable skill. But I, yeah. I think Kyrie and Damian Lillard can do both of those things. Now, obviously, they're not the rebounders, but yeah. like, OK, Steven Adams grabs more rebounds now. Like he doesn't end the game with one rebound. Yeah, I don't necessarily see that as a problem, you know, so here um, is a fun one. And I'm excited to get to this point. Um Okay. Because it's gonna be it's gonna be really the crux of this, Kemba. Kemba. Uh, see, I, I still have Russ ahead of Kemba. I think that's the that's the cutoff yeah. for me. I think Kemba is a a tier. I think Kemba would be the start of tier three behind Russ, mm-hmm. Dame, and Kyrie. Yeah. Well, we didn't do Kyrie. Uh, I think Kyrie improves the team. Um, what do you think? How, how do you feel about that one, Sam? Yeah, I think it would be, I think it'd be similar to Dame, but probably a little, a little bit better. So I think that it probably would improve the team to have him. Yeah, I think I think I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. So I, I have I have I have uh, another one. Go for it. Ben Simmons. No, that's interesting. Um, I, I think it's. No, but. Yeah, I think it would be it wouldn't necessarily improve the team cuz whereas Russ has been awful shooting this year, uh-huh. you at least have to respect it still. Yeah. And maybe yeah, you're not like, standing maybe teams under the rim in the playoffs, but like teams already don't for Ben. The yeah. other thing for me is Ben is like Ben is like he's an incredible passer and being 7 feet tall helps, but like it creates passing lanes that simply don't exist otherwise. But this is one of those aspects where I think that Russell Westbrook's passing is underrated. Like, right. I, not that he is as good a passer as Ben Simmons, but like he is functionally, I don't think the gap is very big. Yeah. And so this one is, is hard for me because I think in order for me to say that Ben Simmons would improve the team, I would have to just flat out say that Ben Simmons is better than Russ yeah. right now because mm-hmm. like, they're they're going to go about things relatively similarly. Um, I will say that I don't know how in the hell you score on the Thunder if you replace Russell Westbrook with Ben Simmons. Right. That that's kind of the the debate. Does it make the team better? Because you, I think it's pretty inarguable. Ben Simmons is better than Russ on defense for the sole yeah. fact of like effort. Like Russ could easily be a top defensive point guard, but. Right. 
is is there that much specifically talking about on OKC? Is there that much more room for defensive improvement that Ben Simmons? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. I think it gives you a little more versatility. Like if you're like going with some bench lineups, like him and Schroeder would probably work better than Russ and Schroeder does. Yeah. Um, just because you're not as size depleted. And it also, like, you just have more options because, I mean, Ben Simmons is a power forward and he plays like a point guard, you know. So yeah. um, I, I would take Russ. Like, I'm not I'm not there with Ben Simmons. But, like, if Philly tomorrow were like, would you trade Ben Simmons for Russ? I would do it in a heartbeat. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, <laughs> because he's just, he's super young. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I don't I don't think they would be a better team, but I think they would be just a little worse, you know, but with a, a brighter future probably. Okay. Um is there... <laughs> I don't think there's really any other com- comparable like I mean we could run through like I mean obviously D'Angelo Russell's not making this team better or you know obviously yeah. Depot. Oladipo, no. <laughs> no, obviously De'Aaron Fox, not yet. You know, I think at some point maybe, but like they're just not to that point yet. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that's a kind of interesting exercise. Like I just, I just don't think the value of shooting off the dribble and the the pressure that puts on the defense can really be overstated. You know, like the Thunder are going at this with two non-shooters on the court at all times. And if you were to add another shooter, just I think the space that you give for Paul George, the space that guys like Jeremy Grant would have to operate would would be really helpful, you know? Yeah. Now, I think there is, like, the Thunder are not bad offensively right now, and that's with Russ playing the way he is. Like, this, yeah. like, and not just playing the way he is, like, Russ is, like, third in the league in touches, I think. Um, that's like, you know, he's playing a role in this offense and I think it goes beyond his shooting. Like, it's, I don't know. I'm not totally comfortable with saying that off the dribble shooting would immediately make this team better, but I can understand that logic because it is the thing that Russ can't do that other elite point guards can. Yeah. And like, maybe that it's just. I've seen so many just five of 19 nights that I'm just like anything different would be good. You know, like, I don't know, yeah. maybe I've kind of soured. I still love Russell Westbrook and I still think he's a great player and I'm happy he plays for my team, but I just, the value of shooting to me in the league today is just it like, especially in like big time games, you know, yeah. like well, we're me, talking playoffs. It's just, yeah. it's, I don't to I think it's irreplaceable. Is, we've never like, I want to see what this looks like in the playoffs before I'll sound off on it because Russ right. has never shot this poorly before. And I don't know right. what that looks like in the playoffs. And the other thing is that who the hell knows what is actually causing this. And maybe he fixes it by the playoffs. Like, and that's like a buy in the sky dream, but maybe it happens yeah. because yeah. again, absent any evidence, we don't know. Right. Right. It's true. Like, yeah, we, we need to see how the season progresses. Like, there's been a couple points this year where it looked like Russ was getting a shooting turned around. Yeah, like, he would have a terrible game, revert. and then he would just have, like, a fine game. And it would ju- he would just be like 2017 Russ. And it's like, oh, is it better? And it's like, no, it wasn't better. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Statistically, yeah. it's just so strange. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is. So are y'all are y'all gonna talk about playoffs now? <sighs> Do you playoffs? guys want me to tell you the number on my screen right now? It's at least I think it's like we're over two hours now. So yeah, we're into we are into two hours and fifteen minutes territory. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I don't know. It's up to you. So if uh, y'all want have... to, y'all can. I'm gonna have to hop off. I think okay. that, I think we should maybe call it. Um, yeah, that's fine. This is a yeah. lot. Um, and we can, um, yeah, we can always come back and do this again. There's nothing stopping us. We can do that. It's the off season. Um, so, uh, OU football lost some recruits recently. Ron Tatum's transferring. That's about all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. OU football is weird right now. It's okay yeah. though. Okay. Um, yeah. The Ron Tatum transferring thing is weird, but I don't. It's very, I, very strange. I'm not, I'm not in the know about it, so I can't really say why or what. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening to this surprise episode of Ellie. We made a basketball podcast. Um, we are always happy to do more of these. Let us know if you like it. Um, and we'll be sure to oblige you. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast, which is normally about OU football, <laughs> on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean, um, on the Oklahoma Drill feed. Um, and you know you can follow us on twitter at rdp maxi at alex p party and at not that sam davis uh and we'll see you guys sometime later in the year i don't really know when it's the off season all right